Are you uh are you boys ready to to dive in? Yeah. Are you ready? You to know, party? you know you can't spell pieces without pie. It's true. That's actually how I remembered how to spell piece of pie. Piece of pie. What am I supposed to do with this? Eat it! <laughs> what? Happy birthday to the ground! What a song. That is one of many fantastic songs on that soundtrack. Welcome back to Talking Backwards, a Twin Peaks podcast. Hegle Dermotadem der Hater Dave Jackson, and I am joined by Patrick Mayhan. Hegle Amotadem der Hater Patrick Mayhan. And Tyler Mullins. Hegle der <laughs> Hi. All of us at the same time. Higley. It took a while, but little did people know that even after Fire Walk With Me, there was more to be found. It's true. We are back. For the missing pieces, extended and deleted scenes from Fire Walk With Me, the Twin Peaks movie. You want it, You want some Pat stats, guys? I want the Pat stats. No. The official Pat stats. You could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with us. Pat stats. Haul out your boy for some Pat stats, stats, stats. I hate the Pat stats. There, are, there were many rumors about these deleted scenes for many, many years. Um... When the DVD got released for Firewalk With Me, I believe the first release in 2000, I think fans thought maybe it would get released then and it didn't. There was a huge, I remember there was a huge campaign. Yeah, probably. Um, probably petitions. You know, everyone was like, release the Snyder Cut and all this stuff. <laughs> release the Sweeney Cut. Mary Sweeney was the editor on Firewalk With Me. <laughs> um, although David Lynch edited, he edited this. Uh, at least that's what it says in the credits. Um, well, so I believe it. And then in 2006 or seven, when they finally put out the first two seasons uh, and did the gold box edition, um, maybe it would, you know, come out then, or maybe it got a separate release. I'm not sure. Cause I actually don't think fire walk with me and twin peaks were released together until the entire mystery, which came out in 2014. And that is when this got released. Nobody ever, saw these scenes until the summer of 2014. <laughs> so they were, they were just locked yeah, away that, somewhere. Wild. Yeah. There were just that a was... lot of, there was a lot. It seemed like the company that funded the film, I believe maybe were holding things up and I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure Lynch wasn't in a rush to, I, I feel like for a long time he was just trying to kind of put Twin Peaks, you know, in the rearview mirror without revisiting it. So, um, like he kind of finished with because there, there's a quote of his from around that time of the Fire Walk with Me DVD coming out. I'm sure someone asked him about it in an interview or something, but he said like Twin Peaks was as dead as a doornail. I wish he would have yeah. said dead as a doorknob, but that's 
the point. Hindsight is twenty twenty on that. Yeah. Um, so fans, fans were excited, <laughs> as you can imagine, to finally get to get new footage from this time uh, with so many of the original cast that weren't in Firewalk with me. You know, it had been rumored that. David Lynch had, had ideas to do more after Fire Walk With Me, immediately after, and, and the trilogy was the rumor. And I feel like I read something where David Lynch sort of debunked that, but Robert Ingalls, who co-wrote Fire Walk With Me, uh, had, had, this great, had this quote from an interview that I'd like to read in its entirety. I think it's pretty fascinating. Um, There's a draft of Fire Walk With Me that's a three-and-a-half-hour movie. David and I talked about that. David wants... Uh, What's on film to be what it is. Yeah, Dave Jackson. (laughs) Uh, But an idea, he said, to go back and say they're from a planet of corn. Talking about like Bob and the spirits. (laughs) Yeah. But we didn't do that. (laughs) Yeah, That was a part of an idea that we talked about. Um, Working with David, none of these things became solid until they're shot. Um, The shooting script of the fire walk with me describes the bar scene as everybody's getting roasted and toasted. That's all it says. It's what David decides to do when they're shooting. Uh, He'll decide what it is. But there's an idea of a field of corn, and we would shoot it backwards so that Michael Ontkeen, who plays Sheriff Truman, would have to drive a Jeep a mile and a half backwards. (laughs) It's a pretty cool thought, and I think that's a part of where the corn came from. Wouldn't it be cool to see Michael have to drive his trooper backwards for that long? (laughs) Now I just want to see this. (laughs) Let's make it. I wanted to say, too, uh, last week when we talked about the bulk of the movie, I, I praised Cheryl Lee's performance a few times. I wish I had praised it way more than I did. I know we were a bit exhausted uh, for recording about you know three hours. Um, and much like I said during the original series that I would have thrown all the Emmys at Leland. I mean, I know that the film didn't do well, but I think her performance was oscar worthy i don't know if that's crazy she did get nominated for best actress at the saturn awards and the independent spirit awards so it was nice that she got some recognition i feel like i should have praised it way more <laughs> than i did uh, i found a quote actually from grace Zabriskie, um who said about cheryl lee that she gave everything she had and more than she could afford to give and that she spent years coming back from i don't doubt that at all you have to go you have to go somewhere right. to yeah. do what she was doing in that film. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I feel like I also didn't praise enough sections because I was just so, I, I, I think I, ex, I, I don't know why, but I feel like I expected it to be a different kind of movie. Well, that's what I, I mean, I kind of touched on that. I, that's what I thought in my first watch. I thought it was going to be just a movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I thought. I thought, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, this, yeah. Honestly, Firewalk with me kind of feels like its own collection of missing pieces. It feels like a lot of scenes and a lot of situations that were supposed to go somewhere and just kind of got compiled into this one stream of experiences. And the missing pieces to me kind of functions the same way. It just doesn't have a running narrative in it. But 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 it's weird that it just, even watching it though, it just feels like it all just flows so well. I I mean, I love the, I love the idea of just kind kind of watching just a series of vignettes, just like, okay. We're just moving. Yep. It, def- it definitely moves yeah, in acts. Yeah. And it definitely follows there's, the same sort of, yeah. uh, at least structure of how, you know, you start with the scenes of Desmond and Stanley, you know, you start there and then you get to the Laura Palmer stuff and it kind of flows in the 
mostly the same order as how we see it in Firewalk with Me. I think I think what I was expecting was a little more of the kind of going back and forth, like show you something, don't really explain it, mm-hmm. then come back to it and make it connect. But instead it was you would get something and then you're done yeah. with it. And we're, we're moving on to the next yeah. bit. And I, I think that's what made it such a, a confusing experience yeah. for me. Both times that I saw it, because like, I don't know, it's it's very much like, and I know I said this, I've beaten this horse to death already, but it's it's definitely a companion piece to the series, to season one and two. It's not a standalone experience, and I think that's what I was expecting. Oh, you didn't, yo, you didn't, that you didn't see Firewalk with me first, and then go buy the VHS of this of the series. <laughs> I did not. I was also expecting that. <laughs> Guess I'll invest in some Blu-rays. So we start with this intro shot of Laura's picture in the high school uh, in the case. And it is a different picture. There are different pictures that were taken of her in this photo shoot, which, which doesn't surprise me. I, it surprises me that they decide to use different pictures of her. The yeah, smiles are slightly different. It's eerily, it's eerily dissimilar. Yeah. Cause like I saw it and I felt like it well, was actually new, we see all the I, versions of her smile sure. later as it gets bigger Joker like in that one <laughs> scene when she's staring at the oh, fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is odd. The it's just odd. It, you you know you've seen the picture so much from the credits that you you see the slight change and it's weird. It's kind of uncanny valley. Yeah, it's like this looks right, but, but I something don't is a know. little bit off. Something's <clears throat> not quite yeah, right. Yeah, but um, we just get this intro that explains that these are extended and deleted scenes from the movie. Um, so we what you are about to see? <laughs> yeah, very long and drawn out. <laughs> Uh, yeah. we oh here we go yeah now we start with uh, this this scene is called Desmond's M.O. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's what here's where I'm already confused <laughs> um, <laughs> this is yeah, not a morgue this is later described as Stanley's apartment does Stanley does like... Sam Stanley live at a morgue I wouldn't put it past him this ca- I need this backstory. But it, okay, it says his apartment. <laughs> but Sam Stanley is not from Deer Yeah, Meadow. why does he have a place here? It seems like yeah, they'd put him up in a hotel, you know, or, or lodging, but they wouldn't give him or the local morgue. Yeah, they wouldn't give him an apartment to set up a morgue. Maybe the in. person naming Maybe he the chapters know. was not familiar. <laughs> and this this doesn't even. This doesn't look like a morgue. Well, what do they like say? Apartment. This looks like a shed. No, it looks like well, a ice we'll say, um, hut on a frozen well, let's lake. Let's say this. I don't know. I'm not looking at a, at a map of Washington, so I'm unfamiliar with the area. And maybe you guys know. Maybe you don't. And that's totally fine if you don't. I they say he's. I don't know if they if Gordon in Firewalk with Me says he lives in Spokane or he's from Spokane. Spokane. I'm pretty sure when they meet there at the airport with Lil, he says Sam Stanley from that Spokane, is... Washington. Just about as east as you can go. Is it north, though? In Washington. I'd say it's just north of the equator of Washington. Okay. The well, equator of Washington. I'm just trying to make sense <laughs> of it. Every state has an know. equator. It is in line with Seattle, if that helps you at all. Okay. It doesn't. Um Yeah. 
It's not. I wouldn't say it's north. It's definitely north yeah. of the country. So if we want to reference or if, in the country, if we want to reference uh, what the writer on Pop Apostle wrote about the scene with Cooper and Sam, it says it looks like some kind of workshop, but the script itself describes it as Sam's apartment. Why mm. does he have this pool with an electric mixer <laughs> in his apartment? And what's in it? Yeah, what is going on? I love the way Cooper looks at it too, like just like. Huh? Yeah, this is this is interesting. Anyway, yeah, and with without these, you never see Cooper interact with these agents. Yeah, e- either one of them. You guys, you may not remember this. Uh, in the pilot episode, mm-hmm. uh, Cooper, when I believe it's when they're looking at when they have Laura's body. When I mentioned the room with the electricity acting weird, or the light acting weird, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. someone comes in and. I believe Cooper tell I could be misremembering all this completely, but all I remember is Cooper says to someone to give this to Albert's team. Don't give it to Sam. He doesn't say Sam Stanley, but he says, don't give it to Sam. Oh, <laughs> so I'm saying when you watch the pilot, it's just like, what? Sam? <laughs> yeah. Well, you get so many names in the pilot that it's, you do. Yeah. There are some, you can just write off. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, for the most part, it seems like the same scene from the movie. Yeah, I don't know what was different about... I think I think it's a little more of the establishing shot of the exterior for them to come out of. And it might even be at a different angle. But it's very much just the same scene. They come out and mention that it's they've been working so long that it's night now. And instead of sleeping, they're going to... Maybe that's maybe that's Lynch messing with us, being like, "These are missing pieces." The very first thing we show, this was in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe that's it. Or Did was I crack the, piece the code there the whole time? <laughs> that might be it. Uh, let's go to Haps. Let's go to Haps. Let's go to Haps. Let's say hello. Uh, to so this is an extended scene because um, we see parts of this, but I love this guy, Jack. He's talking, and he says the FBI hasn't been here since the '50s when Hap was running the place. What were they doing there? What 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 case was happening? What did Hap do? Yeah, and then <laughs> and then I believe Chet says something like "How's Hap?" or something like that, and he's just like, "Oh, he's been he's been dead," you know. He's de- or I think he just says he's dead, almost like she's dead. Um. And, and Chet's like, I'm sorry to hear that. And Jack goes, he didn't suffer. <laughs> Good That's detail, exactly Jack. That means. That's a great, great detail, buddy. And Brother Man's just working on a lamp in the background. <laughs> oh, another Brother Man? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on in this this little corner of the world here. Well, you also get like a, a you know a homeless looking guy, big beard similarly looking to the convenience store guy yeah there's a very so. similarity there to me in that convenience store scene later with the spirits with this guy sitting here in a chair mm-hmm. and with a hand on his knee for yeah with his measure. hand on his knee you're right like so it like is there a connection to be made here <laughs> i i think there is there's a lot of breadcrumbs and uh this is like i the, was saying we were well yeah and the guy in the corner is working on a light bulb it's electricity yeah. like i think <laughs> yes there is <laughs> What are you doing? I'm working on a light bulb. <laughs> I'm arbitrarily making flicker and light so I can like make how else would you? How else would you describe that? I don't know. <laughs> and uh, it, it took looking up for me to understand uh, Jack's little thing about Irene. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he mentions uh, her name is Irene. It is night. That's all you need to know. Don't go, don't go any, don't further, go any with further with it. <laughs> well, no and good then they come of it. But then they do in the next scene when they're talking in the parking lot. She walks out and he says, "Good morning." Irene, good morning. And then it almost sounds like Sam wants to say something, but then he remembers what Jack said, and he's like, "Oh, wait a second, we shouldn't be yeah. talking to her. It's more it's yeah. daylight." Yeah, the, the thing there is that there is a song apparently called "Good Night Irene" that mm, apparently okay. this waitress would have heard good a lot. Good night, Irene. <laughs> so she hates just, the she hates yeah, the just, song. It's like if if your name is a celebrity's name, like Michael Bolton. So it's oh. like, oh, he's like no relation. That guy is a major cinephile. Yeah, it's uh, this scene is mostly the same too. It's a static shot, just one angle, and it's it's the exact same dialogue. It's just shot a different way. The okay, the big mystery in this scene to me is that, and I noticed it in the movie too. But the guy's badge says "Say hello to Jack," but the "hello" is xed out, and it says "goodbye" above it. Why? Hello, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> he's not good. He's not good with goodbyes. We well, maybe even talked about this during the movie thing, but it, it's still like just—it's so glaring. I would do the same thing. Yeah. Is he related to Jack the monkey from What Did Jack Do? I think this is the monkey. In man shapes. Thank you, Dave. I needed that connection. I need more connections to that. Mm. I think there's a lot of connections to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a loose connection. And Jeffrey's kind of like also... the loose connection in the light bulb that's being worked on. Oh, a lot of loose connections. And a lot of loose ends. <laughs> he is using his arm. Is there any the arm. anything else of note in the scene outside of Haps? Because that's what Yeah, the uh, the crying clown. The sign? neon light. <laughs> yeah. Is it supposed to make you think of OEJs? One-eyed Jack. I mean, maybe. It's, it just mm. seems like none of the neon really works around anything to do with anybody that's being filmed for this show. I mean, it's quickly established that this is, you know, a parallel universe of yeah. Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's a polar opposite of Twin Peaks. So, of course, everything's sad and clown-like. That, that makes sense, yeah. Instead yes. of joyful and welcoming. Mm-hmm. And weren't there, were there balloons inside? There were. Birthday party. Yeah, birthday party at Haps. Which makes me wonder if is Haps is short for happy, and maybe clowns were yeah. supposed to coincide with happy. And then the fact that this place clearly isn't happy. Right. It, <laughs> it's the opposite it, of what it is. This is unhaps. <laughs> the help want, it makes sense, the help wanted sign, because Teresa's gone. They need help. Mm-hmm. They need a waitress. Yep, nice little detail. So, I think the next scene is... Dave's favorite, if I'm uh, This correctly. scene is probably perfect. <laughs> it's called This One's Coming from J. Edgar. Um, it's about six minutes of just two men being men. Yeah. Yep. Duking it out. Uh, this is uh, Chet Desmond wants to take Teresa Banks' body, but uh, Chet Desmond. Sheriff Cable doesn't want to let him have her, so he figures the best way is to settle it by fisticuffs by men by catching hands so like men so he does his fisticuffs. he does his famous move of uh getting a, a steel bar and giving it a nice bend very intimidating also, this guy his face 
I don't like it. It needs to get hit. <laughs> I'm so glad that punched. it does multiple times. <laughs> yeah, like you know, you hear you know you know a punchable face. This is a punchable face, <laughs> and it gets punched. Agree. And it's it, does. So it gets punched. Satisfying. No offense. No offense to the actor. No, sure he does he a great job selling this character. Yeah, his performance makes me want to get the guy punched. I'm Absolutely. I'm sure he's and I'm sure face. he's perfectly pleasant in person. But this character needs to get rock'em sock'emed. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, Chris Isaac and this guy just wailing on each other. And it takes a while, but he eventually puts him down. It takes a while, and then you get the weird versions of Andy and Lucy just watching and getting mm-hmm. just more and more disgusted as it goes on that their guy is losing. Anti and tidy? Yeah. Heidi? Wait, that's two Heidi's. Anti and tidy. Tidy was what I said. Tidy? Tidy. Yeah. Tidy is her name? And Andy and Lucy, anti and tidy. Weird names. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's ones I give them. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, it's a. I mean, honestly, the scene goes a little long, but that's not to be expected. Uh, yep. Chris Isaac bests the sheriff and uh, finally gets him on the ground, says, This one's coming from J. Edgar. Chris Isaac, you mean. And then he walks uh, off. Chet Desmond, yeah. Chet, while his theme Chet song plays. Desmond. <laughs> I wish Wicked Game would have kicked in as he bent his own piece of steel in front of him. It probably would have if David Lynch like literally didn't just use it in his movie a year or two before this. <laughs> well, then he's got the rights. Why wouldn't you pop it in there? Yeah. Tyler, what's this next scene? Um, Cooper and some lady. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's what's her name? Diane. Diane. I thought, thought, I thought for, I thought for a second. <laughs> You're going to get a glimpse? I was going to get a glimpse. And then I'd be like, yeah, I see why this was cut from the movie. Right. Because you showed who she was. You got to keep that air of mystery. Yeah. But. Got to keep those what? mysteries. Didn't see her. Life is uh, full of mysteries, as Laura says. And sorry, welcome. And so I'm still left wondering. I like that you can kind of infer what Diane is Who the hell doing is Diane? in this office. <laughs> just sitting at a desk, looking at Cooper as he rambles on, just like Mm-hmm. Okay. More of this? Yeah. I think there might be a bit of uh and I could be just reading it wrong. I think there might be a bit of a meta commentary going on here with Coop's dialogue too, mm-hmm. with there being just a subtle change. Kinda of, you know, they're like there's just since things are a little different, kinda of like Firewalk with me is a little different than <laughs> Twin Peaks, you know, it's like, oh, you've changed something. Mm-hmm. What have you changed? Yeah, it could be a little bit of Some that. Things. I like that the conversation stays one-sided. Like she's yeah. not responding. Yeah. You don't even ever. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't hear anything. He is always talking at her. But he, well, maybe she's not there. Maybe his tape recorder's on the ground. <laughs> I, I, it's a really fun scene. It, it only takes a minute, and it's yeah, it's just like yeah. Because I was trying to think. Uh, actually, you know what? I, I think I read in the fan, cause there's a fan edit floating around of the firewalk with me with the missing pieces edited in. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously this isn't a Lynch approved cut of the movie. It's just a fan edit. Mm-hmm. But if I, I've never seen it, but I feel like I read that this scene was the only scene that's not in it cause they couldn't figure out where to put it. <laughs> I would have opened with it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, you could, I was like, you could have fit it somewhere. I don't know if that's true, but that's just that's what I saw somewhere. Somewhere the, in the it last could have been week the post credit about this scene. Yeah, that could have been the post credit scene. 
Um, I think it could have been right before he goes into Cole's office. Like he just suddenly, yeah. suddenly remembers what day it is. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow, um, we figured that out in three seconds. Yeah, we are better than the editor of that, if that's true. Do we need to say anything else about the Stanley's apartment scene? It says Sam asks. We yeah, Sam is so. Yeah, rose. Sam is so <laughs> interested in the blue rose. He just has to know <laughs> what that means. Uh, he's he's like out. the audience that just that just has to know everything. <laughs> what is it? Tell me. He's a Negro beaver, and I that. think this is what yeah. uh, what would make Cooper say, "Don't give this to Sam." Absolutely. Like, I don't want that guy on yeah. this. <laughs> guy doesn't even know what the blue rose is. You know, Albert wasn't asking. I feel like we did need the next scene. I feel like this should have been there. I love the next scene. For one, beautifully shot. What a waste of production value to not mm-hmm. include this. Uh, yep. It's a uh, Jeff Philip Jeffries. I was gonna say Jeff Jeffries. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> It, it's Philip Jeffries in Buenos Aires. Jeff Jeffries. Check, try to check is into this in, hotel. Is that in Washington? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, I'm just checking. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This scene is wonderful. Someone, I don't know if you want me to point it out, there's there's just a, a little goof that someone pointed out that I can't just not see it when I see this scene now, though, at least the opening shot. I don't know if you want me to tell you what Yeah, it tell is. me right now. I'm looking at it. So when it cuts over to where Jeffries is about to walk out, mm-hmm. for like 10 seconds, you can see his red shoes standing in that little, like they're pointing out. And they're just sta- they're just there for like 10 seconds, and then he starts walking. <laughs> oh, really? Hold on. So he's like waiting for his cue, and you just see the two. Oh, yeah. You just see a little red. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't unsee it. But what a great scene. Oh, uh, so yeah, he goes, he's checking in. Mm-hmm. It's the Palm Deluxe Hotel. I don't know if we want to talk about when do we think this is. <laughs> well, I I have to assume that it's sometime during his. I feel like he, I feel like he had to be disappeared already, or like he had to be just kind of off the grid. Yeah, Cole says something. he's been gone for for two years. So I mean, I don't know if this is. I feel like this is somewhere within those two years when he disappears. May may take place longer while he's there than is shown to us. But he, yeah. he comes back at the same time that he left. Right. Or reappears at the same time that he left. And yeah. so there may be some time dilation there during his actual being gone. But I feel like right. him here at this hotel is part of his two-year hiatus. And I could be crazy. No, I like that. I mean, I mean, I feel like you just have to, this is the kind of stuff you have to think about given, with the information you've been given. If I wanted to disappear for a little bit, I'd probably pop down to Argentina. <laughs> Absolutely. Looks, it looks so, beautiful. Not Buenos Aires, Washington? I don't think it's Buenos Aires, Washington. So I want to talk about what gets said here. He, when he's checking in, he asks if there's a mm-hmm. Judy saying there. We've heard Miss this Judy. come up Thank from you, him. Thank you, Judy. The most interesting part is the guy is like, oh, 
Uh, the young lady left this for you. He didn't say mm-hmm. that it's Judy, though. He just says the young lady's left this for you. And, he takes and this, this also plays into why I think that this is part of him being gone two years. So he's looking for a Miss Judy. And we don't know who this is. But apparently no. whatever tie she has to whatever he's out here doing is traumatizing after he goes to the convenience store. So I feel like he is following right. the lead. Which I think, I feel like that happens while he's here. So I feel like he's following a lead that has led him to this location. And he feels like he's supposed to meet with a Judy mm-hmm. at this place. But, but maybe Judy. it's actually a, a tryout. Right. I think it that's, very well could be a trap, yeah. That's why I think he's been gone for two years working on something top secret. Like, won't even let his superiors know about where he is. Yeah. For whatever reason. Maybe it's just too dangerous or whatever it is. That doesn't make any sense. Maybe this one goes above. Above the system. With Project Blue Book. And these are Blue Rose cases. I feel like they are Look, if, just... if you're the Power Rangers and Goldor's destroying the city... Goldar and Goldar is destroying the city. You don't run to the cops and say, "Hey, is it cool if we Megazord up and take this thing down?" You just go do it. <laughs> yeah. They want you to follow the rules and get permission. Right. But I- I'm saying Philip Jeffries right now, David Bowie mm-hmm. is the Megazord. Is Wyndham Earl and Major Briggs and Philip Jeffries are they They're all blue bookers. In- Project Blue they're Blue Rose. Well, we don't. We don't. I don't. I think they're separate mm-hmm. things. I think Blue Rose is separate from nope. Blue Book. It is. It nope. definitely is. No. Nope. How? How do you know? Because that? they specifically say there's Blue Rose cases and there's Project Blue Book stuff. They don't know about each other. If Cole and Desmond and Cooper are working on Blue Rose cases and Jeffries are working on Blue Rose cases, because Garland wouldn't Garland Briggs. Mm-hmm. Wyndham Earl. Wouldn't he know Wyndham Earl? You don't know that the blue book doesn't have blue rose cases in it. And I feel like Cooper, I think Cooper and Wyndham Earl Pressed were partners before Cooper was plucked to be on blue rose case. Wyndham Earl wasn't good enough. Nah, Earl does not cut the gravy. He does not cut the gravy. Let's take a trip to the convenience store. I would rather not. I mean, so as I said before, I'm just baffled that one, the spirits have a meeting and nothing seems to get done. Like, what What are the minutes? What What does the schedule look like for these things? Remember, there's no time. It really seems like they're all just kind of doing their own thing. You don't know. But let's not forget, like, Bob's only line yeah. in this scene is, I have the fury of my own momentum. That dude is a loose yeah. cannon. And that's great. But everybody is just chilling and doing their own <laughs> thing. Bob is vibing. The jumping man is not even jumping. He's just kind of waving. I'm pretty sure Tremont and the Grand Center are asleep. There's two homeless guys, and one starts a fire, and nobody cares. This isn't a meeting. This is a time bomb. And it's really, it's mostly four minutes of disconnected and obscure one-sentence statements. I don't think we mentioned either last week, uh, at least with... Uh, Miss Tremond, Miss Chalfont. Um, the boy is given a name in the credits too, and that is Pierre. Pierre. But I will always refer to him as Creamed Corn Boy. He is a forever Creamed Corn Boy. 
What is his foot propped up on? Um, one thing I never really noticed, but I've seen it pointed out several times, is that there's a hole cut in the uh, green table, which people people like to theorize that that's where the ring came from, because they're like, green is its color. The, oh, yeah, it is a Formica table, table, for sure. Also also referred to as the jade ring. Oh. And this one guy who's just, like, holding a broom and... I feel like he doesn't even know where he's at. Animal life. He's got this just like patchy beard. He tried to shave, but he didn't have a mirror. I get that these guys are operating on a plane that we aren't touching. I can buy that. Jeffries is touching it. It's it's part of a hole, and I know that, but we don't have the information that we need to make these things connect right now. And it's just, I, I mean, I assume, I, Pat, I don't know. Does this right now clear up at all later? I'm not going to say anything. You're not going to say anything. All right, well. He's just telling us that they descended from pure air. From, they came from pure air. Yep. Exactly. Pierre. Pierre? Pierre was named after where they descended from. Pure air. Look at that connection we just made. Boom. Pure air. But I think they talk about their their sort of contract. To, you know, I mean, with this ring, Ivy Wed, mm-hmm. or ring speak, if you will. And, I, and I'm sorry that I'm so jammed up about it, but it's just like, it's such... You're fine to be jammed up it's about this. I don't know why you wouldn't be. It's such a mess. It is a mess. I don't know how to explain it. Like we've got, it. We've got it the, the view of the cream corn again, and this is Garmin Bogia, which is pain and sorrow, and that's kind of the form it takes when they want to eat it. But man, it's weird. And it is weird. Don't get me. I love it. I love the spirit stuff. I love the like Red Room world and everything that has to do with all the mystery of the series. It's just so confusing. I love it. It's just so confusing. And I have no context for this. So that I guess that's where I've got to leave it. I, I have nothing to say other than this is just bananas. It's so wild that this scene exists. <laughs> yep. Is it weirder seeing it in this context or the way it's presented in Firewalk With Me? I mean, okay, so in, in the movie, it makes more sense because he is talking about the things that he saw and it's right. kind of his disconnected memory of the events. But we see here that those, which memories... would make sense that he wouldn't hear, remember everything that right, he yeah, heard. You, you miss pieces. Cause it's, yeah, so you're getting bits and pieces of information. It happens in a flash. There's so much to take in. There's so much stimulus here yeah. that you would only be able to recall little things like what we got in the movie when it's presented here as its own scene. It's like, this is just how the meeting is. Yeah. Everybody shows up, takes a seat, and does some weird shit. And that's... Yeah. Yeah. That's the lodge <laughs> meeting. <laughs> gra- yeah, grab some a sweeping. That room needs some sweeping. I feel like somebody did try to do organize sweeping. this. Like, they got everybody in, and they sat them down, and started, like, trying to take roll. And just, it was a lost cause. It's like, all right, uh, jumping man. Electricity. This again? I could have gone my whole life without that and been... Super thrilled. Uh, let's talk about this next scene. Uh, I am. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say a lot about this, and some of it is gonna reference the version from Firewalk with Me. I think it should. Might be a little jumpy back and forth. Um, jumping man. So this right here is one of my favorite scenes in all of Twin Peaks. On the outside, it can appear that you know it could easily be the most insignificant scene ever. There's some stuff that said that doesn't mean anything. Right. Uh, I think it can be studied and broken down in a million different ways, you know, or we could just say infinity. I'd like to just say infinity. Mm-hmm. Say it. Um, so the first thing I want to touch on is Cooper. Yeah. 
and this some of this involves the stuff from the last from the or from firewalk with me and not right here um he says he's worried today because of a dream that he told gordon cole about and i believe that dream is what he's about to experience with jeffrey's coming here i think that's what he dreamed Mm. um and i will elaborate on that so you'll notice you know because when jeffrey's walks in and he starts talking uh Cooper kind of looks frightened and looks at, at Gordon and he just yells, Gordon. Mm-hmm. And Gordon's like, I know Coop. As in like, yeah, I know. This is what you told me about. Yeah. You know, it's your dream. It's playing out. Um, and then like when Cooper's watching the the monitors, like the live playback, he sees himself still in the hallway with Jeffries walking by, which we know that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm all, almost one. Did it not? No. He was, every time we saw it, he was just standing there looking. We never saw the, sh- you know, like Jeffries. So it's like, oh, right. uh, I almost wonder if, if if either he's getting a message almost like from the the doppelganger or like seeing his sh- his shadow self you know if that's what that represents cuz like why is that happening mm-hmm. you know and it's only it may only be happening in the monitor like it might you know it's like cuz i'm just thinking more with the electricity <laughs> just we know that jeffries has been at least involved with some lodge stuff now mm-hmm. that that could be why that's happening i feel like jeffries um, is caught in a sort of corkscrew of time where he's just kind of he's kind of on a ride he can't control it's like he doesn't know yeah. where the bus stops yeah, it's just, and lets him off i just think it's interesting that it just shows cooper in two places mm-hmm. at once because then it just reminds me of him and his doppelganger yeah because as as quickly as he's here as jeffries is here he's suddenly gone right yeah and i guess i guess with um, all the budget that they spent on that lodge scene with all the pyrotechnics <laughs> that they didn't have oh, there was no an effect there. to fade him out because he just is gone they just cut away and cut yeah, back and he's out there and that's that's um, how he disappears and i want to talk about a little bit about jeffries here because i truly do think he's doing some sort of time traveling based on the dialogue mm-hmm. cole calls him the long lost philip jeffries mm-hmm. says he's been gone for two years he comes out of an elevator and disappears by a phone. So I think he's doing some sort of travel via the electricity. Uh, if the phone thing mm. is true, you know, it could be something sort of like the Matrix. I realized before the Matrix, and that's also not time traveling, but you know what I mean? Like you answer the phone and you're gone. Mm, yeah. Something sort of like that. Or maybe because he mentions the ring. So I, and I know he's not wearing the ring, but he clearly knows about it, unless he's just talking about the phone because he's like, ring, the ring um because he disappears chet disappears when he finds the ring um so he's not wearing it but he's aware of it doesn't he leave the ring like the ring stays behind you talking about chet or chet yeah i mean the last shot we see of it he's picking it up and it just freezes and fades Mm -hmm. right before that oh was it not there like it was sitting there on the mound of dirt uh but no it was not there when they go back to it you know Um, Uh, i feel like it's kind of like a so sort of like a sorry the kind of the one ring in the fellowship of the ring when if you put it on or if you make contact with it then you slip into another dimension so oh my. if you have it then oh. you maybe not instantaneously but if there's just the right time or situation that you yeah. slip out slip i bet if i went to middle earth and got lost in the mines of moria i would moria? stumble upon the red okay nerd moria kelly <laughs> You know, and he says too, he's confused by the date mm-hmm. and time. He's like looking at the calendar before he disappears, which I don't know if that's what triggers him disappearing, but he's this this is not the first time someone in the series has been confused about the time. Uh 
Does anybody remember? Not trying to put you on the spot, but tool time. <laughs> when someone, what? it's not the first time someone's been disoriented about what what time, like the time and place that they are in. Mm. Nadine. Well, there is that, but that's not. Nailed it. I'm thinking of Major Briggs when he comes back from what we assume is going to the the White Lodge. What he says because he comes back and he's wearing like World War II gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's right. I just made a connection there. One of my other favorite theories about this scene is that is Jeffrey's experiencing this entire thing opposite of everyone else, a.k.a. backward. Mm-hmm. When he walks into the room with the other uh, Blue Rosers, the baseball team, right? Mm-hmm. Sure is. Philadelphia Blue Rosers. Yes. I don't sports. Spoke T-sh- the Buenos Aires. <laughs> Blue Rosers. Washington <laughs> Blue Rosers. No, but think about it. So think about, I mean, think about the dialogue backwards. He looks at the phone. He's muttering about a ring. Telephone ringing, maybe. That's how he teleported. Maybe that's how he got here. Mm-hmm. He immediately starts saying that he found something in Seattle at Judy's. There they were. And then there they were. Mm-hmm. They sat quietly for hours. I followed them. It was a dream. We live inside a dream. Then he says to Gordon, listen carefully. I've been to one of their meetings above the convenience store. I want to tell you everything, but I don't have a lot to go on. But I'll tell you one little itty-bitty thing. Judy's positive about this. He moves backwards to see Cooper. Who do you think this is there? We're not going to talk about Judy. We're not going to talk about Judy at all. He immediately stops talking about Judy when he sees Cooper. And he and even when he kind of walks into the room, it almost looks like he's stumbling a little or he could be like walking backwards. Oh, I thought he had to pee. It could be that. But, uh, you know, he, see, he says that. So maybe he assumes Coop is Boop because of his time travels. Uh, and he doesn't want Cooper to know about Judy. Something to think about. Who's Judy? So this... We need to talk about Judy. <laughs> did you get, I mean, did you, does any of that, like, I love that. Theory. Yeah, that, that actually does track. So I That's like the, the idea that he's walking so strangely. It's, it's kind of like a, like a newborn deer. So I, it kind of to me <laughs> felt like maybe he's just disoriented from. Well, yeah, because yeah, he is there. But then when he's like walking down the hallways, he's fine. Yeah. So it's like, like, like part of it is almost like he's disoriented from the travel, but. Yeah, like you said, he walks down the hall just fine. He comes out of the elevator confidently, and it takes him a second to, like, when he starts rambling, then he gets kind of wobbly-legged. And it's almost like he was directed to walk as though he was being shot in reverse, but yeah, but front ways. <laughs> right. <laughs> Make it look Make like it you're look being like you're, in reverse. You're walking yeah. backwards, walking It just wouldn't be forwards. that unusual with the backward stuff that happens here anyway in the show. Yeah. Or in the series. Like, yeah, I'd, I always knew there was something just kind of odd about how he was walking, but I never thought of it quite like that, and I really like it a lot. Speaking of Jeffries, I regret we didn't do this last week, but there are um, there are two Phillips now. The double. Yep. Philip Jeffries and Philip Gerard. Wow. So I true, and, and on this topic, I really do think that Time just is non-linear. It does not exist when it comes to the Lodge stuff. Um, and we talked about this in the last episode. And I think it's true here about Jeffries. And we might even be able to apply this a little loosely because the Mike scene uh, from Fire Walk With Me is confusing as hell. And maybe we can apply it there where maybe he's experiencing some sort of time out of order too. Because otherwise he's just fucking with Cooper in the series. Hmm. Like, 
you know, I'm not trying to get another rant about that scene. I just think it's something interesting to think about. And this shit right here is why I love Twin Peaks. <laughs> we can talk about these theories all day long. It's so, it, might, it makes my mind just spin. Yeah, me too. The world spins. <laughs> Indeed. So anyway, this scene, it's one of my all. I don't know if I can say it's my all-time favorite scene. We can wait till we're done with the return. But like, this is... This is a scene that I'll just think about from time to time, and I'm just like, what did that mean? Mm-hmm. What is it? Who's Judy? Who is Judy? Yeah, I, I, I said it before. That's we can talk about Judy. It's the new Diane. What do you, we need to talk about Judy. Judy Judy was mentioned uh, in the series, uh-uh. but not Judy by itself. Uh, Major Garland Briggs said the name when he said asked something about Judy Garland when he was like out of sorts sitting in the sheriff's station. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Judy, Judy Garland? Yeah. Yes, Judy Garland Briggs. I don't think so. Mm. But yeah, Judy was mentioned before. I feel like... That's the only time I believe. And my only... Prior to the My only theory on this is that Judy is another one of the spirits. Uh, and mm. a... And in, it's sort of a Carmen San Diego style. It moves around a lot, and it has to be tracked down. And I think that's what Philip Jeffries was working on, but but sure. couldn't pin her down. And I I feel like she she leaves traps, and she's dangerous. But I, what what and who she is? I, I'm a, I'm a blank. I'm blank as a fart. I'll never tell. <laughs> Heard that one before. I bet you have anything else on this scene. I know I had a lot prepared to say about this because I just I love the scene so much. I don't know if you guys had anything else to touch on with it. I feel like when he was talking to Coop, like who do you think that do you is? Know who this is, or I feel like I, I immediately picked up on that. Yeah, like being, yeah, uh, the the not the Coop that was left behind. Right, not that that person was, but I understood what he meant. As much as I love this scene. I've got beef. Whoa. Shit, I was not prepared for that. I got beef. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, and I'm surprised you guys didn't pick up on it. If you did, I, I totally don't mind cutting this out, and you guys can, can talk about it. Um, Jeffrey's at the end of this scene when, he's, when he realizes what time it was and the lights are flicking. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey's says, he looks at the calendar, and he says, February 1989. That right there doesn't go along with the time period that this takes place in the movie. This would take place in February 1988. Because it would be a year prior to Laura Palmer's death. I'm going to flip this desk. <laughs> you know, it hadn't even occurred to me. What? Wait. This happens after the, it does, the series? It does after here, and I can see, not after the series, it happens before, the, it happens weeks before the series, because Cooper goes to Twin Peaks at the end of February oh. of 89. But, oh, wait, what did you say was 88? When Teresa Banks died, mm. and when Chet, oh, Des- Chet Desmond went missing. So, so did Philip Jeffrey pop back a year after he disappeared? I'm still, hang on, hang on, hang on. So, Chet, Chet, <laughs> Chet Desmond disappeared. That line doesn't get mentioned here at all. It was recorded after the fact by Albert. You never see Albert say it in Firewalk with me. It was ADR'd in the scene. It wasn't shot or filmed. Mm-hmm. And this was cut, which I would assume because the date was wrong. 
could be wrong. But that's just maybe they thought. caught their Either own way, flaw. Then. The fact that it is the fact that or it is said and makes me more confused totally is why right. I have. And yeah, and you're right. It may be right. But either way, the fact that it is wrong in conjunction to what takes place in the movie is the reason why I have beef. I see. And he left. And oh, he's bowing out. Oh, he bowed. <laughs> I'm signing off. Dave Tal, good luck with the rest of the series. The scene uh, was enough for me. <laughs> Great. And he retires. We will end it there. Missing Pieces Part 2 coming up next week. If we missed any pieces from the missing pieces, let us know what we should have covered at talkingbackwardspod at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Instagram at talkingbackwardspod there as well. Patrick. You can hit us up on Twitter at talkingbackwards. Tyler. Anchor.fm slash talkingbackwards. So Jeffries gets teleported back, and the bellhop who carried his bags is a little startled. He's a little bit startled, so much so that he sure lets <laughs> Jeffries know that the shit has come out of his ass. Are we doing that? And that is my damn fine line of the night. <laughs> damn fine. And that's a wrap. Talking Backwards is an independently produced program. If you would like to help support us and join our community of patrons, you can do so through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash talkingbackwards. There you can find ways to not only help us grow the show, but also get access to exclusive merch, live streams, behind-the-scenes content, and even early access to upcoming episodes. That's patreon.com slash talkingbackwards. We hope to see you in the future. Or is it past?